0: Positive Feedback Loop
1: Three, two, one. 1 Hello everyone, welcome to Positive Feedback Loop podcast where we talk about a variety of things including culture, technology, history and we try to learn a lot about how we think about these topics and how people in general think about things. So uh, my name is Ray
0: and this is Stephanie.
1: And I'm Luis. Right, and uh, today's topic uh, is actually about desserts and sweets and different types of delicacies that contain sugar, basically. Uh, I know fruits sort of have fructose, but I, I forgot which,
2: what, what it has There's exactly. There's like
0: saccharin, glucose,
2: well, the, fructose. Yeah, I mean, the it's monosaccharides versus polysaccharides. and But yes, the idea is that we're going to be talking about things that are sweet and not in the, the emotional sense, more specifically in terms of... Things that we like to eat that are very sugary. What's um, your favorite
1: dessert, Luis? I'm just wondering.
2: Uh, probably cheesecake. Cheesecake. Which I've I've heard is a confusing one because it's not really a cake.
0: Yeah, it's a pie.
2: Yeah, it's a pie. Which, I mean, I I guess I kind of embrace the, the not quite what it seems quality of it. But I just really like the fact that it's not a a real cake. It's funny
0: that you bring up cheesecake because that is my birthday cake. I've had cheesecake every year of my life as my birthday cake.
2: Wait, were you assigned a birthday cake at birth? Yeah. like like, Is it like a birthstone? So
0: my mother had a friend who was from India and had never had cheesecake. And I was turning one. And my mother was going to celebrate my birthday. Um, Yeah. And so she decided, well, let's make cheesecake since you've never had cheesecake before. And then it became a tradition where every year of my birthday, I had a different cheesecake. So when I got older, I had to think of different cheesecakes. Like different cheesecakes had to be made because every cheesecake had to be unique every year of my birthday, if that makes sense.
2: Interesting. I had a very different experience with cakes growing up. Um, We did not have... Great access to good cakes uh, when I was growing up uh, in in Cuba. So my experience has been that I very much dislike uh, traditional birthday cakes. The you know the the white cake with maybe like some frosting with like you know uh, white frosting and uh, sprinkles. No. Candles. <laughs> uh, we well, yes we did have candles. Um, <laughs> we actually would celebrate the birthdays with everyone like all the kids that were had. Birthdays are on the same time. We would pool all the resources together to, like, have all the birthdays at once. Um, and they, I happen to be the middle point, so birthdays were set up later on my birthday. So, I was obviously the, the special one. Clearly, I'm, I'm the best. Um, you had a cake on yeah. your
1: actual birthday.
2: Emotions. Yeah, everyone else had was just, you know, coming to my birthday and celebrating that they also got older, or were about to. <laughs> In all seriousness, yeah, I, I've never had a good relationship with, like, traditional birthday cakes. I've always enjoyed... Cheesecake Cheesecake or ice cream cake. Really things that are cake-like, but not really cake. Hmm. Like fruit cakes? I like fruit cakes, yeah. Although I am allergic to a lot of fruit, so they're a little more dangerous for me. Hmm. But just, it's nothing deadly. Oh,
0: the danger of cake for (laughs) the (laughs) least.
1: What's your favorite fruit, Stephanie?
0: My favorite fruit? Or uh,
1: dessert, sorry.
0: Oh, dessert. Well, I I I consider fruit fruit to be a dessert. Fruit could count. Yeah. Yeah, so I do have a lot of favorite desserts that are high in fruit, like tarts, you know? The, oh, yeah. Where they have a, a crust and then a little, like, custardy, and then they have the beautifully designed mosaic of fruits on the top. It's one of my favorites.
1: How about you, Ray? Um, what we're sharing? I like this. There's a pistachio cake that, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a Turkish cake, and I think it's delicious. It's like chocolate with pistachios in it, and it's, like, layered, and inside is like, almost like pistachio filling cream and on top you have whole pistachios do you know what what that's called I don't know pistachio (laughs) chocolate cake (laughs) (laughs) ah
2: interesting I I don't think I've had that Um,
0: I'm a big fan of pistachios I love you guys would love love cake I would likely love this cake and something that I love that does have pistachios or other nuts in it is the Spanish turron.
2: Oh, turron, yes. Which
0: I first had when I lived in Spain. What's Wait, which
2: type there? of turron? Are you talking the soft The turon? soft Okay. Turon. So for, for listeners who may not be aware, turron is a traditional Spanish uh, and Latin American dessert. Generally, it's, it, it, it can come in generally two forms. that are the most common. You have hard as the devil steel. And then you have, like, soft and mushy. Those are, like, the, the two things.
0: So, America, the United States has a version of Turon, and it's the Big Hunk. Have you ever had Big Hunk? It's an, it? it's an old candy bar that I don't even, it's hard to find anymore. And it's kind of this white nugget with nuts in it. Hmm. And it comes in a dark brown wrapper, and in white letters it says Big Hunk.
2: I've never right. heard of it. It, it for my first impression of, of that name was that it sounded like something you'd find at a bachelorette party. <laughs> right. Yeah. Shape, I'm sure, it, I'm in, the sure shape, are,
1: in the shape of something. Uh, uh, let's not go there. <laughs> this is a children's show. <laughs> this is a family entertainment. We should talk
0: about cartoons then.
1: Uh, well, well, desserts dessert, like, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. you, <know, laughs> you, would, you would think uh, lots of children, they love sweets and desserts. Like getting a candy bar when I was a child was like a, a win, like for the day. Personally, I think that the Crunch Bar was my favorite as a child because I remember seeing commercials with Shaquille O'Neal just crunching it. And I thought that was just the greatest thing, and I, I, I totally um, dig that. What's your favorite chocolate bar or candy bar, guys?
2: Um, I, I, don't, I don't really eat. To be honest, I don't have much of a sweet tooth. I've it, never had.
1: I don't now either. I just feel like I used to. But now I honestly like savory foods. It's the way to go.
0: Alright, I'm the one with the sweet tooth, so let me let me explain to you Let's the best Stephanie
1: candies in the world. Explain. Right? Okay.
2: The, from a global perspective, too. I, <laughs> from I'm a very global I, perspective. I, our listeners in Shanghai and Nicaragua. Uh, and South and South Africa, everyone's just paying attention oh, to whoa. what you say.
0: Yes. Okay, so the best candy bar in Australia is the Violet Crumble. Sounds nice. The Violet Crumble is this beautiful honeycomb candy bar covered in chocolate. And so it has this like crisp crunch because it's literally, it's just, it's just honeycomb. This yellow, hard, brittle, it looks like styrofoam, but it's, it's honey sweet. Hmm. That's the best. And then another candy that I like that is also kind of in the era of the Big Hunk is the Abba Zabba, which is white nougat uh, filled with peanut butter filling. It's hmm. so good. And it the wrapper looks like a taxi cab of olden days where it's like a yellow black checkered wrapper. All right. So another candy that I loved when I was a kid are bottle caps. Did you ever have bottle caps?
1: Sounds familiar. I mean,
2: I had bottles with caps, <laughs> but I've never eaten a bottle cap. So
0: the candy was shaped like a bottle cap and they were flavored like sodas. So you'd get a grape bottle cap and it would taste like grape soda, you'd get a root beer, it tastes taste like root beer, orange soda, etc.
2: See, I, I didn't have that much candy growing up. It just was not available to me, so I guess I just grew up and it just became a non-issue. I got here and I was like, I like Halloween. It's a cool holiday. I just don't care for the candy. I can have like three pieces of chocolate before I become like sick of chocolate. That's fascinating. Now, I had a
1: question for you guys. Do you think that, just thinking about Halloween now and how... You know, in America, consumerism is such a thing where every candy company basically promotes the crap out of their stuff during Halloween in order to sell it, you know, um, including Easter and different holidays, but specifically Halloween. Do you think that's moral?
0: Well, they do the same at Easter, too. Think of how much candy is marketed at Easter. Right,
1: and the things that we know about sugar and candy nowadays, and like the, you know, it, sure, it tastes great, and in moderation, it's fine. I think, but to target younger people, maybe.
2: I mean, we grew up in the '90s. You've all seen the commercials, uh, how if you have Gogurt, it, it's extreme, and you'll be a, you'll be cool too, or you know, there there's so many there's so many manipulative commercials for kids, and it's gonna be interesting seeing how the fact that no one kind of sees commercials anymore. It's going to kind of change that. But, I mean, we still need to... We should all be watching commercials just because that's what keeps websites afloat. And, hey, maybe if you're an advertiser and would like to get sponsored on the Positive Feedback Podcast, reach out to us.
0: (laughs) I will eat all the candy samples you send us. (laughs)
2: That's a promise right there.
0: I will review them all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in terms of... uh, children and candy, I, I think it's one of those uh, things where science has shown sugar has impacts on ch- children's development. It uh, A lot of time it's used, for example, in, in infants it can be used as a way to, uh, as a form of anesthesia, although it doesn't really work. Uh, research has shown that uh, for a lot of procedures, kids are actually given like a, a sugar solution instead of actual anesthesia because, you know, it's, it's simpler and they expect that it stops them from uh, feeling pain. But it doesn't. It. it does a terrible job at that. Um, and that actually has a really big consequences for children growing up. That's not a result of the sugar itself. Um, Do they
0: use the sugar in hospitals today as an anesthetic?
2: Um, I know that at least the research that uh, basically showed this is not much of an issue. I mean, that this is an issue uh, came out about until 10 I think is when it came out. Yeah. So it's I don't know if if people have changed the way that they do things. Um, but this is mostly for like infants. Not mm. like, you know, you don't give this to like a 3-year-old because they're going to cry. But your dependence on sugar and the fact that you if you get early access to it, that has huge implications on children because it's such a huge reward for your brain. Your brain loves it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's it, it rewards everything that your body wants. Yeah. But it's not actually what it needs, uh, and at least not in the quantities that we consume it. Right. So children become hooked on it really easily.
1: There's multiple studies providing evidence showing that the activity of sugar or the ingestion of sugar has the same activity in the reward system of the brain as other drugs similar to cocaine does, Yeah. which is quite scary, frankly. And if you look at our evolution and our history of you know, what we eat – Sugar is kind of new, at least refined sugar is pretty new. Yeah, sure. We used to eat, we've eaten fruits and different types of sweets and honey for a long time, but those are um, not processed, or especially fruits. You know, they they contain fiber,
0: yeah.
1: which helps with the digestion of it. Um, it helps slow down the digestion. So, getting these like spikes in sugar frequently and getting used to it is. I don't know. We're seeing the effects already on an epidemiological scale with obesity becoming a serious issue. Diabetes also. Diabetes.
2: um, And there's also even like the... How many many people don't know whether their kids have ADHD because their kids consume sugar and they blame it on... And sugar, they, it could be the sugar, it could be that they actually have an underlying condition. Mm-hmm. But if parents are not mm-hmm. super keen on it, they might not find out until much later when the children's like progress is actually already hampered.
0: I think what interests me is the ingestion of sugar through beverages. So we often think of sugar as like we feed candy, our children yeah. in, in form of candy. And I was looking at, I was in the supermarket and looking at these chocolate milks that you give to kids and thinking oh that's that's a healthy option right and when i looked at the sugar content
2: it's insane. i think there
0: was more sugar than milk
2: <laughs> in these i would be surprised
0: packages and i i had a friend we were talking about what advice has your mother given you over the years and she said one piece of advice her mother had given her was don't waste your calories on beverages there is a lot of sugar that we drink and we don't pay attention to and i think of the people who drink soda all day long thinking it's just this hydrating beverage because they're thirsty when really they're dehydrating themselves or dehydrating their children they're giving soda to yeah right and that they're ingesting candy bars worth of sugar
1: well it's a really you know affordable option though isn't it so a bottle of water can cost almost the same as you know a can of coke right so you know if you're kind of hungry or you need some kind of like energy, it's a good option, especially in developing countries where a lot of...
0: Where the water isn't pure enough, you need to drink soda, right?
1: Yeah, so...
2: I mean, and there's also a lot of... The caloric content of so many of these products is insane, and it can come in... I mean, vitamin water, I mean, almost almost certainly has sugar. So many products are marketed as healthy, have insane sugar contents, all the juices. Literally any juice you Mm -hmm. find has huge amounts of uh, sugar, oftentimes added in after the fact. Um, and I, I often, for example, there's uh, there's a one juice in particular I rail against a lot, and not necessarily because of the sugar content, just because I find it heinous, and it's orange juice in the U.S.
0: Oh, interesting. Tell I me about that. I hate
2: American orange Why juice. Why do you
0: hate American orange
2: juice? Um, I don't know if it's only American. It might be just the way that it's done now. But the way that that orange juice is currently produced in, uh, is that it's pasteurized, right? You don't want your stock going bad. Oranges are only good for a certain part of the year. You want to preserve it so you can sell it year long. So they, past- they they pasteurize them and put them in these big vats, right, the the juice. But the problem is that this big vat of liquid becomes this just a brownish sludge because after you pasteurize it, it basically loses all its flavor. So mm. they have to add in uh, orange juice flavoring after the fact along with like pulp this After sounds
0: fast, horrible. Are you it's sure? Awful. Because when have I you read... Had,
2: have you ever squeezed out an actual orange and tasted the orange juice? Yeah. It tastes nothing that's, like what you find from Tropicana. It's not
1: that far off. It's you're saying you're far. saying the claims that Tropicana makes, where it's you know you know the carton where the some pulp or lots of pulp labeling that's not natural pulp from the oranges that were squeezed. No, no, it it's is like pulp set. from the
2: oranges. It's just they basically I think take out the pulp and then add it in later in certain quantities, like or. Because, how can I put it? Let's say you take all the pulp But it bottles. also
1: says no artificial flavoring.
2: Yeah. And, well, no, they generally they say not for concentrate. That's that's what they say. Not for concentrate. They say not for concentrate.
1: Yeah, it's actually squeezed from oranges. Yes. You're saying... Which is
2: true. They do squeeze them from oranges. They just don't have any flavor afterwards. So they have to do something to fix that. At least that's, that's uh, what I've read. But it kind of meshes in with my own understanding of it because... Before coming to the U.S., I'd never. Orange juice was just that juice from an orange that you would have, and you would squeeze it, and it would be difficult to make because it's annoying to squeeze oranges, and but it's tasty. And I don't have that experience here. I also hate lemonade. You you ever have
1: those chocolate oranges? It's like an orange flavored chocolates.
0: That's another one of my favorites. I don't
1: like those. Really, why? I I, I find them to taste very strange. Every time I try. Do you like flavored chocolate? I mean, I like mint. So my favorite ice cream is mint chocolate chip.
2: Oh, that's I, my favorite.
1: No way, guys, guys,
2: guys, guys! I think we just had a very special moment because I also <laughs> love mint chocolate chip. No
1: chocolate. way! This is some. We this is the one on thing.
0: Something. One, thing we, this. On. This
1: one say, though, thing we can agree on. Can
2: I just say though, for the record, everyone else I've told about this, they just tell me, "Ew, that just basically is toothpaste."
1: I've, Why would it be I've it had to deal that with that thing? my entire life? It's like they don't understand. So for any <laughs> listeners out there. Who love mint chocolate chip ice cream we reach out to us we stand with you and let's have some ice cream together one day hashtag mint chocolate chip hashtag you know what is the chip.
0: worst with mint chocolate chip ice cream orange juice <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
1: especially now after i've heard what louisa's informed you need, us of. what you
2: need to do is brush your teeth eat mint chocolate chip ice cream and then have orange juice <laughs> that, that's i'll consider that
1: or just brush your teeth at the end of those things yeah. Or, yeah, or you can do the sensible thing. But who does that? <laughs> does who does that? sensible thing? i got to leave the house. You know? <laughs> you know, another interesting dessert I actually enjoy is something called dipping dots. They're, it's basically ice cream, little balls, tiny balls of ice cream that uh, are f- kept frozen in, I think, nitrogen, like liquid nitrogen or something. And they're quite delicious. It's supposed to be ice cream for the future or ice cream you can eat in space. And have you guys ever tried that?
2: I I have. I tried it once, I think. Um, Although, I think the most... I don't have much of an opinion on it. Uh I will say that I remember reading that uh, the current press secretary of the White House, uh, Spicer, Mm -hmm. uh, had, like, a big argument about dipping dots. He, like, his Twitter account is full of him just angry at dipping dots and how they are awful and, like, the worst invention and not the future of ice cream.
1: That's probably one of the more efficient ways he spent his time, I think. (laughs) Um,
2: but let's not get too far into the political. I just thought that was an interesting Well, I think
1: Dipping Dots is just so great, so that's why I think it well, was...
2: Well,
0: it had limited... Uh, it had a limited range of places it could be sold, because apparently it has to be stored at these really extreme freezing temperatures. So grocery stores don't have the freezers that go to the temperatures that Dipping Dots need to be stored. And so they only are sold at, like, theme parks.
1: Theme parks and also... Um, like piers of boardwalks. And Do stuff? movie
2: theaters right. sell a lot of dipping dots? I don't what know I about that. I, I feel like they used to. Oh no, I'm thinking of the the smaller ice, ice cream balls that are like Snickers and things like that. I uh, yeah, they sell those. Thinking of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't really get anything at the concession stand. That's like sugary. I've I've never. I think I once got candy at a concession stand, and it wasn't even for me.
1: Do you buy popcorn?
2: I've, yeah, popcorn.
1: I, honestly, I don't get anything at though. I just I feel mean, like
2: I'm, I'll I'll buy things that are salty. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm only buying popcorn. I oftentimes just get a soda, but just so I have something to drink while I'm passing the time. But yeah, I don't really. Well, you're passing
0: the time, or is the movie that bad that you're watching? No, I gotta pass the time. This movie's horrible. Well,
2: I mean, every movie has its lulls.
1: Even before I've seen it.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna get soda. I just know this is gonna be bad.
1: Emergency
2: bottle of Coke. I think, I think if I knew the movie was gonna be bad, soda was not, it's not what I'd be getting.
0: <laughs> Remember the days, I don't know if these still are the days, when you were not allowed to bring anything into the theater, they'd check your bags. They don't make do that your, now? Do they check your bag now? Know. I've no, never had my people, bag
2: people, checked. You can just walk in with your bag and yeah. they'll track most of the time.
0: But back in the day, meaning high school for me, yeah. they would check your bag and make sure you're not bringing in candy you bought in an outside source.
2: I mean, you don't want to contaminate the, the pristine environment of the movie theater with outside candy. That'd be, that'd be insane.
0: <laughs> right. Only overpriced candy allowed. Yeah. Maybe I
2: mean, they're, they're looking for... big money-making and take items, so it makes sense that they'd want to protect that business.
1: See, if they were looking for things like gum, chewing gum, because... Oh, people put you know, them in the bucket. Yeah, you can put that on the the floors or the back of seats, and that's that can cause some damage to the. Well, when I
0: think of movie theaters, I think of sticky floors. Yes, which is probably the biggest drawback of candy in general is stickiness. The stickiness it causes on children's faces, on floors of movie theaters, like this.
1: On your gum, hands, your on hands. computer?
0: yeah, everything.
2: I mean that's sugar in general. Yeah, yeah. it's right. a very. It tends to get everywhere and just be very sticky. Well, I but mean... That's I, some of the good things about it, too.
1: I think all <laughs> foods, right? Oils, any kind of oily thing. Oh, yeah. You know what's the best? It's hard to get out. Like, vegetables. Like, a lettuce can't really...
2: It just It's just wet.
1: It's just wet. It's <laughs> basically water. It might
2: have dirt, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of dirt. Yeah.
1: It's the cleanest food. Yeah.
2: To, to with, like with with meat, you have to, like, like, burn your hands to ensure you don't have salmonella. <laughs> but with, is that with, your method yeah I just I, every day I, when I'm cooking meat I will just dip my hands in 300 degree Fahrenheit water uh, it's not even water at that point it's just boil I mean it's just gas it's plasma <laughs> yeah <very>, it's plasma <laughs> I just dip my hands in a little bit of hot plasma and I'm um, good to go <laughs> those hands will never get sick mostly because they're not around anymore
0: also because I'm not sure hands can get sick
2: <laughs> you ever had a hand cold <laughs> cold.
0: I Feel like sugar makes people feel sick more than any other food I can imagine. Like it makes kids feel sick; they eat too much sugar. For adults, it makes them feel really tired. The older you get, if you eat sugar, you want to take a nap. You're just it just drains you of your energy.
1: Well, initially, it gives you a little boost of energy, right? Yeah, right. The body
2: uses it um, as short-term energy, and then you just crash. But I, I think I think an interesting part about this is the dieting aspect. And sugar, as with any carbohydrate, has been I think maligned to a degree. I mean there there are definitely huge drawbacks to Ooh. consuming a lot of sugar. Absolutely. But there's been a trend in the last you know, ever since like the Atkins diet, that anything that's a carbohydrate is bad for you. Is the off, the most awful thing in the world. that should be avoided at all costs. But it's totally fine if you eat all the fat in the world, so long as you're not having carbohydrates, right? Are that that sort any... of not like, all the
1: fat in the world, yeah, But you know, to it, a moderate a lot degree. Of,
2: a lot of diets tend to work in that kind of like basis, like give up this one thing and you can eat everything else you want, it, all the quantities you want, and it's totally fine.
0: I see desserts as the short-term reward.
2: They very much are. You know, yeah.
0: dopamine or you know any chemical that's released by your brain, a pleasure chemical, is a dessert in a metaphorical sense. That you're it's easily
2: yeah, right. digested, but is it necessarily a bad thing? I think that, um, the pleasure is not necessarily inherently bad unless you're and, stoic, <laughs> oh, I guess. Yeah, exactly.
0: But I, yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, it's not necessarily pleasure bad,
0: is a good it? Thing. Yeah,
2: it's inherently, if anything, more of a positive factor. But what the sources are for that, I think, are the big, the big thing because if you're just a person that just goes through life generally happy, you perceive things is pleasurable far more often, or you take a much more positive view to these things. So I don't think anyone would give that up and say, oh, that's being, that's bad for you, right? That's bad form of pleasure. But obviously, if you're an alcoholic and you only really feel good when you're an alcoholic, necessarily, but, you know, you're addicted to something and you only feel pleasure when you're doing that thing, obviously, that's a, that's a negative. So it's interesting to see, like I hadn't conceived of Lent as a way of giving up that sort of thing, I don't celebrate Lent, so I'm not as close to it, but I do have friends who do. Um, and I've I've always I've always seen them like give up like cheese and things like that. For the fat content? Why cheese?
1: It's usually meant to you're supposed to give up something you really cheese is enjoy, actually yeah. Yeah. and that's not necessarily is,
2: cheese is a really bad one, especially because it's you. slightly yeah. addictive. Like legitimately addictive. Like, scientifically addictive.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love cheese so much. Yeah. We're talking about my addictions in this this episode.
2: Oh, oh, perfect. Yeah, we got Ray's addictions out of the way. uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: Fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) You're fireworks. I'm cheese. What are you, Louise?
2: A good book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, we'll leave that. (laughs) Uh, grand, name. (laughs)
1: <laughs> best way to solve this is we'll attach like a rocket, we'll attach some cheese onto a rocket and we'll just shoot it in the sky. It's like a, yeah. it's like a way to like get rid of our sins, right? Speaking of cheese, how about dessert cheese?
2: Oh, that's a thing. Well, you said
0: that cheesecake before. What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Cheesecake? Well, yeah. Or brie that's like baked and berries. Yeah. And
2: there's, and there's honey. like sweet cheeses that the, like people that certain cultures make that are very tasty. I like, I, Indian these are all things the that,
0: they use cheese in both savory and sweet Dishes. I've never had
2: that. I don't eat a lot of Indian food to be honest. Uh-huh. Mostly mostly cuz I don't I'm not a big fan of spicy food. But I do I do I have been meaning to try a little bit more of the cuisine.
0: There are some sweet spices too. Like an, is it anise? One of my favorites. How do you pronounce it? Anise. Anise. Anise, anise is that how it's pronounced. I think you do it in Spanish. So anise is one of my favorite spices, I guess. It's counted as a spice, That's but it's good spicy yeah. I don't. I don't know, but it's it's so sweet and like licorice root as well, well has that.
1: Right, it's very similar to licorice. They sweet. actually make it a it alcoholic. Absinthe? They make absinthe with yeah, anise as well as raka uh, raka is a it's actually a Turkish national drink. Basically. Oh, cool. Yeah.
2: Delicious. I, yeah, I. That, yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't considered that one. I haven't thought about absinthe in a while. There's actually a, there's a a bar in New York. That only like specializes in absinthe. Yeah. uh, That I've been to a couple times. I I forgot their name right now. It's like the something something tavern, Um, and they had crepes and I and absinthe. Like that was their menu. You could get a crepe, and you get absinthe. Wow. Combine them, but later on they actually changed. Uh, they, they, They they shut down the crepe menu, and now they're selling hot dogs and ice and absinthe which is such a weird combination to me. Because one's, like, sort of sweet and very, very strong, and the other one's hot dogs. So That is odd. That is very odd. Although adventure. I do love hot dogs, too. I'm not that big a fan. I think they're okay. We should stop uh,
0: recording at lunchtime when we're all thinking about it. Well, our last recording, or some previous recording, was early morning, and yeah. now we're at lunchtime. These are all our worst times. We should or do a late-night recording, like a... Maybe that'll be our hell That's when I'll shine. That's when you'll That's, that's, that's when your best time? That's my
2: best time by far. Like, super late night. Yeah, I should be like a late night DJ. That'd be great. Yeah, I wonder what that would sound like. I think it would be interesting to hear uh, late night, every one of us trying to be late night DJs. And on that note, I think we're going to take a very small commercial break. On the second half, we're going to go deeper into the effects of sugar and sweets on, you know, our country and our society so stay tuned for that positive feedback loop see you soon
0: i'm sam bobbin
2: and i'm honey apple
0: and together bobbin for apple construction company
2: wait i thought we were apple for bobbin well whatever our name is i'll tell you right now you ain't gonna find any better candy builders out there we make the best candy houses candy apartment buildings candy condos candy gymnasiums we even make candy roads now candy roads Best kind of road. You are, you're you going home, had a bad day, you can take a crack on the sidewalk. Delicious. You're going home, getting chased by criminals, they're going to get stuck on the sidewalk. Delicious. Candy roads, candy houses, candy apartment buildings,
1: candy condos. Get it today. Bobbing for apples. So, welcome back to a positive feedback loop. And uh, I just thought we were having a conversation, basically, where I asked these guys why do we usually eat dessert at the end of a meal? Not. In the beginning or in the middle.
2: Well, I think the, the classic response to that would be because, well, for, for one, it you, you're desensitized if you eat sugar, right? If you have sugar, it basically changes, everything tastes bland by comparison because everything is, nothing's as sugary as sugar.
0: Well, it's the same reason why, not the same reason, but the whole idea of mint ice cream and then having orange juice and the orange juice tasting really bitter. Yeah, I just had this like, super sugary thing with something that's not a sugary, and now yeah. all of a sudden it tastes bitter. And I think also
2: we've all kind of grown up with the, I, the idea that uh, our parents basically telling us, you save dessert for later, because dessert is very nutritionally terrible for you, but it's tasty. So children are incentivized to buy the dessert to eat dessert first, because that's what they really enjoy. But if they have that, then they don't get the proper nutrition, so parents basically tell them to save it for last. It's a reward for you for eating a proper proper meal.
1: So maybe it's also, you know, in a way, you're trying to make them eat as much as you can up front. So when they come to the dessert, they're less hungry. Yeah. So they're not eating
2: as much dessert. Yeah. Although, I mean, with some kids, there'll never be too much dessert.
0: There's also the phenomenon that you eat dinner, you're completely full. You cannot fit another thing in. I mean, you've eaten as much as you can possibly put in your stomach. And then it's dessert time. And you're ready to go. You can oh, make room of course, for that. I can make room for dessert.
2: Yeah. I mean, generally what I'll do is I'll just split something with someone. So, cause I don't feel like after dinner, I'm willing to invest enough into a full dessert for, my, for myself. So I'll get myself either a tea or a coffee and I'll split a dessert with someone.
1: I agree. Not even split. I feel like desserts. Sharing. Yeah. Desserts are more for sharing. Also, it's not something to like eat like it's not like a dessert meal it should be like a a tasting thing i like to taste a dessert one or two bites is like satisfactory
0: like an amuse-bouche like what an amuse-bouche something to amuse your mouth
1: yes an (laughs) amuse-bouche i you know what i I find this fascinating because not
2: the amuse-bouche necessarily but the, (laughs) the fact that we're having an entire podcast about sweets which at what point in human history would this have been feasible before now but we have—we're so flooded with delicious options right. that we can afford to just go into detail about our choices, our preferences for how we enjoy which desserts we yeah. want to eat. Where before how it much was like, it? yeah, before it was just you had gruel, and then maybe you found a plant, a berry, or something, maybe some fruits, and maybe you could or talk about your favorite fruits. But then you probably had a really limited range of selection. You can
1: also talk about your favorite favorite animals you like eating that's probably a yeah <laughs> true definitely a new one as well yeah although
0: I would say that chocolate has a very ancient history. Chocolate has been around so there are desserts or at least things that do amuse our mouths so to speak mm-hmm. that have been around and I think uh, chocolate in general is is really interesting. I stopped eating Hershey's Kisses and such when I learned that there were much better quality chocolates out there, that they were sourced, the cocoa beans were sourced in different ways. And I remember going through the Taza Chocolate Factory in well, I've done that too, actually, yeah. very recently. Super so, interesting.
2: I find it interesting that you mentioned chocolate as having a very long history. It, ha- it does, in a sense. But for Mesoamerican cultures. Right. It's, a, it's an American, I mean, it's based on the cacao bean. And so it's an inherently American product. And I don't mean that necessarily as like American as like the US, I mean American as the Americas. Yeah. Where it's originally from, specifically Mesoamerican cultures tended to uh, consume a lot of cacao. And it, but it wasn't until the discovery of the Americas uh, that it really reached what would be the palate of the rest of the world and what would become a staple of our diet. So it's been around for a while since then, but that's maybe like 500 years, I would say.
0: That's still longer than Big Hunks have been
2: around.
1: That's true. Yeah, <laughs> Longer than what? Big, big Hunks. hunks. <laughs> big Hunks, okay.
2: I would, I would be fascinated to read more about how the access to these sweets has kind of changed over time, because I, I know that in the past, yeah, fruits were a big thing. We did have candies and things that were based on honey. Mm-hmm. And there were sugary drinks before. I mean, we've had honey-based alcohols forever. We've had, not necessarily saying that's, that the previous version of it might not have been as sweet. Because you have to keep in mind, what we have as a modern palate, it's, what is available to us uh, to a modern palate, is completely different than what was available 600 years ago. Even oh, wine. Yeah. Wine tastes So different from how I did around the time of the Greeks.
0: So chocolate is the same way. When you walk through actually how Taza makes their chocolate, they make it in in kind of a more traditional Mexican way where they use this grinding stone that was actually, I think, ground in Mexico. And they grind the cocoa beans three times so that it remains really gritty as opposed to the processing that's more modern like... Swiss chocolate makers who make it so milky smooth, it actually loses a lot of the chocolate flavor yeah. and is replaced by the sweet and the fats and the, the, the flavor nol- yeah. of those things. I learned that, that candy palettes have changed a lot in history when I first took my first tour of Brigham Young's house. So this is like the Mormon pioneers in the mid to late 1800s and how they made candies with what they had. And one of the candies that they ate a lot were whorehounds, which are this for, for me the most. They taste like what they sound like. They are have a horrible taste. Wait, in my wait,
2: wait, wait, wait.
0: Whorehound lozenges.
2: How do you spell that? How do you spell whore?
0: H O R E. Okay. H-O-U-N-D.
1: <laughs> because I, I've I had, had concerns because <laughs> I haven't tasted a. Yeah. These are Mormons, remember?
0: <laughs> so you know. But the, these lozenges, so they made a lot of hard candy, candy because it's, hard candy is easier to make. Uh, you need basically, you know, sugar or corn syrup and flavoring and yeah. whatever. Uh, but the whorehound is made from the whorehound herb. And it tastes, to me, it tastes disgusting. I I acquired a taste to it. My dad used to really just love yeah. these. Uh, but. The Mormon pioneers also, once they've gotten to the Utah Valley, would also make saltwater taffy, which actually started in New Jersey. It's not a salt lake related thing, which you would think. But, Jersey Shore, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> but they did make saltwater taffy. As a so New Yorker,
2: they... as a New Yorker, I want to point out that mm-hmm. I inherently uh, disapprove of any pro Jersey messages. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 by law I, as a New Yorker, I need to say that.
0: Good to know. Good to know.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but a, a common activity, not a common activity, but a popular activity for the Mormon pioneers once they got to the Utah Valley was taffy pulling. Hmm. Because it takes kind of two people. Now taffy's pulled to machines, but it would usually take two people to kind of stretch the, ta- the taffy together and get it to the consistency that it has to be to be taffy.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the, the fact that it, it required this much labor made obviously much more scarce but also you got it was worthwhile when you got the actual dessert but you had such a much less exposure so much less exposure to sugary items other than fruits even then fruits orchards are expensive really to maintain compared to you know wheat right and an apple orchard is you need a lot more land for fewer output right um compared to what you can get from more traditional agriculture that does not that's not making fruits but you're making vegetables Um, so it, it was more of a cash crop in a lot of places. And I know that in New England, apples were big, which is why you have a lot of cider. Mm, Um, Apple
0: pie. Yeah.
2: There's like apple festivals all over the place. Um, and we, that was obviously there was, there has been a a component of sugary things throughout history, but the fact that we've now gotten it down to such a hard science that companies know exactly what components they need to put in a thing to get the most bang for their buck. They know just how much sugar is what they need to draw in their, their customers. And Well, I say sugar, but, you know, high fructose corn syrup or whatever it is that they add. That it, It's it's basically weaponized at this point, right? I mean, anything, you just add sugar and or salt to it, probably sugar or salt, you basically make it more addictive.
1: Right, and you can also make the compounds and molecules um, finer, so you can just grind it down to a really fine... You know, volume. So there's more surface area when you eat it. More of it is, you know, attached onto your tongue, or like you know, exposed to your your mouth and tongue, or your palate.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, candy has also been seen as a sign of freedom or or bounty for different cultures, and it reminds me of uh, the candy bomber, who in I think it was World War II. He was a pilot who would drop chocolate from his plane to the war torn country to the children and the people who had no access to chocolate and so they tr- it was this treasure to them and when they saw him fly by they would knew it was him and they would all run knowing that this candy would be dropped it was this sign of of like the hope for freedom yeah. and this idea of
2: a candy drone. And hope
0: for a better world.
2: And in fact, actually, yeah, you could have a candy, <laughs> candy drone,
1: yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah,
2: we could we could use that to uh, solve the Middle East crisis. I think that that'll just, do drop, it. Candy. Yeah, just you know, drop candy, crunch yeah, bars, yeah. and yeah.
1: big hunks. Uh, just
2: hunk bars. hunk bars. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, history <laughs> has changed, right? I think if
2: you start dropping big hunks in the Middle East, you might have other problems. Candy and sweets have been a, a staple of a lot of military rations in the past as well, um, along with alcohol to some degree. Um, and it's interesting how that, that, that's that been one of the things to keep people motivated. also gives you quick energy, you know, so right. the soldiers can do what they need to do.
0: But the motivational aspect, the sign of hope that... And it also a home. Yeah, and of home. It mm-hmm. had more of an impact than it did at any other time. I remember when I lived in Uruguay, and there's really not that... At least at the time I li- when I lived there and in the small towns I lived in, there were no recognizable foods to me that, that I could find in the United States and we found this one place that had imports and they had peanut butter and we did not care how much it cost we were going to buy this one jar of peanut butter that was available and we treated it like gold. I mean, it oh, was yeah. rationed out. You can have a spoonful of <laughs> peanut butter tonight. I'll have a spoonful of peanut butter tonight. It was this treasure. I mean, to you us. are
2: describing my experience with getting here, basically. I mm. mean, a lot. Um, yeah, the Goya products do a good job of standing in for a lot of you know traditional Cuban fare. Um, so we were really happy that they exist. But I one thing that I couldn't find outside of Goya is, for example, guava paste. Uh, something that we would eat a lot. Um, what do you on use guava yeah. paste for? Well, that's what I'm about to describe. Ah. So, you um, know, something we would eat a lot when we were doing road trips in Cuba. Um, we were traveling from you know Havana to uh, Pinaldo del Rio to visit family or whatever. Uh, usually, like a two-hour trip, we would we would stop alongside side of the road because there would be there would always be you know uh, farmers selling products. They would sell things like uh, white cheese and guava paste, and if you brought crackers along. You could put a piece of white cheese and and guava, guava paste on his, uh, between two crackers and it was delicious. It was mm-hmm. the perfect road snack. Uh, yeah, so it, that was difficult to find apart from goya products and I remember when I first saw that I was like super excited because that was one of the few desserts that I like I had relatively consistently back so then.
0: So, I want to try this. So, yeah. where would where do you so you can find guava paste? Yeah, here.
2: a lot of most most stores that have goya products have all, guava. Paste. Well, not most, but a lot of them do. You can what find kind of white these...
0: cheese do you put with it?
2: I, I, I honestly don't know. I think it's just white cheese. I guess the equivalent like would be like, we would call it like farmer cheese. Maybe like a mozzarella yeah. type of cheese.
0: Maybe not mozzarella, but maybe it's like not American cheese type. No, it's... Like not it's, cheddar, but...
2: It's relatively bland cheese. Yeah, It has mild. very flavorless. American cheese it's is very mild. Yeah, it's but white, it's... white, mild. It has to be relatively flavorless to uh, kind of just balance out the sugaryness of the... I, it's hard to describe, but I think... I, if I were to go with you, I'd probably be able to help you find it. But there, there's a lot of things that you don't have access, easy access to because we've created products that are just as good replacements for them, right? I mean, we have so much so much access to sweets. Who's gonna come out with a guava bean, guava paste and white cheese snack, right? <laughs> what, yeah. what ch- I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe that could be your next commercial. But <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it's a very crowded market. Getting into any sort of snack. Getting into
0: confectionery industry yeah. is
2: huge. It's, it's tough.
0: There are some trends. I think they've talked about trends in the confectionery industry for 2017. And they've talked about you know this increase of putting salt in the sugary snacks. Like, we love this mix yeah. now. Another one is making healthier tre- treats yeah. or healthier candies. In some grocery stores, they sell candies that have vitamins added to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so there's that kind of trend as well.
2: Yeah, actually, I remember. I remember. Uh, there, there are also places that, for example, do smoothies and they add vitamins to them and things like that. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of that. Um, I'm not sure why we already overly we we consume way too many vitamins at this point as a society. They like, I think it. Was, they they did some studies where they found that like the water in New York State or something had insane levels of a lot of vitamins and things because people just really? pee it out. Yeah. You pee out most of the vitamins you consume because you get most of your vitamins from just food. You should only be taking uh, you know, supplements if your doctor basically identifies that you're lacking something in your diet or you can't absorb it properly otherwise. I
0: feel like a lot of women lack iron. So that's one that True. you don't get enough of.
1: Yeah. Vitamin D seems to be Vitamin common a deficiency. Amount.
0: I feel like there are deficiencies. There's there just are other deficiencies. other vitamins you get a ton of.
2: But, but the thing is that most of... Even people, those things that are common deficiencies, you can still... Consumed through diet. It's just that I would only suggest people consume a supplement if they've talked to a doctor about consuming it, because otherwise it's just lost value. You're, you're peeing ninety nine percent of it away, and if you consume too much, then you can have negative side effects. I think I think with that um, we are nearing the end of this this podcast. We talked a lot about uh, sugar, sweet, the impacts of it on children, the impacts of it on society, and. Our personal experiences with Good Sweets, given our different backgrounds. Hope you've had a
1: good listen. Have a great mint chocolate chip day. Yes. From us, from PFL Podcast. And And then
2: brush your teeth and have some orange juice. (laughs)
0: Stay Stay crazy.
1: Stay crazy.
2: Stay crazy. okay uh, let's wait for it alright <laughs> okay, what
0: was that okay wait <laughs>
1: <laughs> that could be like an outro <laughs> cause I had a bad day Snickers gone down lollipop town and I'm frying up chicken wing <laughs> <laughs> I said fine you okay. be can that be the ending you can use all of them whenever you want